Welcome to Offer the Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice at the supporting sponsor of Offer the Farm, the Bill Gatt College of Pharmacy. It is March 11th, 2021, a year to the date after the world seemed to stop, at least here in the United States, a year ago. Uh, today, I was in Hopa. I was at Hope in Tampa, getting ready to watch some basketball at lunch of the conference, uh, and all the games got canceled, and everything shut down pretty quickly. And I remember there was very real concern is, will I be able to get a flight back home? Uh, and now here uh, we are. Well, here on the pod this week, I thought it would be good to do an indolent lymphomas week. You know, and uh, sometimes indolent lymphomas don't get the credit and attention they deserve. Uh, we don't invest in indolent lymphomas, and, and they get pushed off. Uh, and unfortunately, things got really busy at work this week, and I'm, I'm home right now after, after 5 o'clock uh, recording this if I sound different. And I thought, you know, maybe we'll just push indolent lymphomas week down the road. But I thought, no, we can't keep doing that. we got to talk about indolent lymphomas, all right? So we had an FDA approval for follicular lymphoma uh, on March 5th, so last week. Uh, this is uh, axicaptogene silocell, or axicell, as, as people often call it, brand name Yescarta. Uh, this is a CD19 targeting CAR-T uh, living drug, so to speak. And this was approved for follicular lymphoma in the, uh, in the third line setting, so after two or more lines of systemic therapy, uh, at least including a CD20 antibody uh, and an alkylating agent. Uh, this is based off of Zuma 5. Now, uh, parents, you'll recognize Zuma as the, the least popular of the pups on Paw Patrol. He's the aquatic rescue pup. Uh, coincidentally, it's been at least a year since I've been to a Paw Patrol-themed birthday party, which was very commonplace pre-pandemic. Uh, you know, this, this uh, approval is based off uh, response rates. Uh, the overall response rate I'll, I'll talk about in a second. I do want to point out that Zuma 5 included folks with both follicular lymphoma and marginal zone lymphoma. Uh, these, this, uh, these results were presented at, uh, at ASH uh, in December of, of 2020. Um, the approval is not for marginal zone lymphoma, just for follicular lymphoma. Uh, the overall response rates for marginal zone lymphoma were just a little bit lower than for follicular lymphoma, and I don't know if just a little bit lower response rate is a reason the FDA didn't approve it for marginal zone or because of the numbers. Uh, the study had 146 patients, 124 of those had follicular lymphoma, only 22 had marginal zone, so it may have just been too small of a sample size to consider that, that approval. Uh, this is, you know, a, a single arm study looking at response rate um, and duration of response, which is kind of like looking at a single dot on an XY axis. Uh, it's kind of hard to put that into context. Uh, I will attempt to do that doing a very dangerous cross-trial comparison, which you shouldn't do, but that's all we have to do here. Uh, so to put this in comparison for some other drugs, kind of at the end, you know, third or later lines of therapy for follicular lymphoma, uh, Umbrellacip, which was FDA approved a week or two ago for follicular lymphoma, slightly different approval. That was uh, in the fourth line setting for patients after at least three lines of treatment, whereas AxiCell for, for follicular uh, is after two lines of treatment. They had a response rate of 43%, uh, duration of response, median duration of response, 11 months. Perhaps a slightly more fair comparison, again, dangerous cross-trial comparison caveats do apply. Uh, Duvelosib, which was approved uh, last year, two years ago even, um, after two lines of treatment for follicular lymphoma, response rate 42%, similar to the 43% with Umbrellosib, median duration of response, or sorry, response lasting at least a year was 17%. So less than half responded to the PI3 kinase inhibitor, duration of response at least a year, one in less than five, 
Okay, so not not great durable responses and less than a 50-50 chance of response with, with uh, that drug for these same sorts of patients potentially. Now the folks who would be candidates for CAR-T are going to be a much more highly selected patient. They've got to be near a center that can do CAR-T. They've got to be able to handle the lymphodepleting chemotherapy. They've got to be able to mobilize their cells and the cells have to be turned around. And you can, the Zuma-5 has not been published, so you know the, the data presented in the um, the press release, so to speak, from the FDA don't entirely match the presentation at ASH in 2020 as far as the numbers, uh, but the overall response rate was 91%, so pretty good. Anytime you get a response rate close to 100, that, that kind of grabs your attention. Uh, a complete response rate in 60%, so pretty good, and the median duration of response not reached, but the number of folks who had uh, that could be evaluated that long who had a year of continued remission was 76%. So the folks who got the, the CAR-T, and again, this is, you know, the CD19 CAR-T, one of the several that we have. It was, all, it was previously approved. It's not a new drug, but a new indication for uh, Yescarta, which is the, the brand name here, a Kite Pharma drug. Uh, those who did get the drug, most of them, almost all of them responded, and three-quarters of them, their response lasted uh, for uh, four years. So pretty good, durable uh, response will be interesting to see long-term follow-up in that Kaplan-Meier curve for overall survival and PFS, something that uh, we do want to obviously see uh, more of. Uh, certainly more patients, third-line follicular, they've had their BR or RCVP. Um, you know, they've had uh, something second-line. Uh, you know, there'll be more people who could tolerate Duvelisib than could tolerate CAR-T, so not an apple-to-apple -apple comparison at, at all. Um, but more like an old apple versus a young apple comparison, perhaps. Uh, but, but another option for those of you who are treating follicular lymphoma uh, in the clinic uh, after, you know, second-line therapy, it, it's worth considering referral to a place that can do CAR-T if you don't do CAR-T where you are. All right, so that's the, the first update in endolymphomas lymphomas of only two. And this next one is probably not even considered an endolymphoma. lymphoma. It's a stretch to fit this in my, my made-up sort of guise of, of having the title of the pod beat. Uh, into lymphoma week. Uh, so this is about mantle cell lymphoma. And mantle cell lymphoma historically has been classified as an indolent lymphoma. A lot of folks will say it's not an indolent lymphoma. Uh, there is a very aggressive course that many mantle cell lymphoma patients have. Uh, and it seems that the best way to kind of ca characterize folks with mantle cell lymphoma from a more indolent course, from a more aggressive course, is looking at TP53 mutation. So if they have a mutation, that tumor suppressor gene they're much more likely to have an aggressive course, respond poor to treatment, including uh, autologous stem cell transplant, more likely to have a KI67 above 30%. Okay, so this, uh, we're going to talk about uh, those that aggressive mantle cell lymphoma, so really not an endolymphoma. lymphoma. I apologize for my ruse. So this was a publication just out in Bone Marrow Transplant, which is not a journal that gets discussed much on the pod, and this is looking at platinum salt as part of the DHAP regimen. Uh, as basically uh, a preparatory regimen uh, prior to auto transplant for patients with mantle cell lymphoma. And this is a, an exploratory analysis of the LIMA trial, L-Y-M-A. So the LIMA trial was a French study published in NEJM in 2017 that established post-transplant maintenance rituximab as a standard of care for these folks. Category run rec recommendation for uh, for our, our, in our favorite guidelines. So what Lima looked at was patients with mantle cell lymphoma, aggressive mantle cell lymphoma, uh, newly diagnosed, and they got uh, DHAP for four cycles. So DHAP is dexamethasone, 40 milligrams a day for four days. HA is high-dose uh, erisi, uh, or high-dose cytarabine. Uh, interestingly, in the study uh, in France, they call this drug 
uh, ericitine, ericitine, which is not a, a name I've heard for erice or cytarabine or uh, arabinocytosine. A lot of names for this drug. Um, uh, and that's uh, two grams uh, per meter squared um, over three hours for two doses. And the P historically was cisplatin, 100 milligrams per meter squared uh, over 24 hours uh, on day one. And the ARC on day two, DEX days one to four. Uh, a lot of folks, at least when we have done DHAP, we admit them to do the cisplatin over 24 hours like they do in the study. A lot of centers probably don't do that. They probably do that, that full dose of cisplatin uh, over maybe two hours in clinic um, and, and kind of going through with dealing with any nephrotoxicity concerns. Of course, somebody could have an acute kidney injury from that cisplatin and could potentially render them uh, not a candidate for, for an autotransplant if they had some sort of permanent kidney injury. Now, the protocol for the LIMA study was four cycles of DHAP, but that P that really stood for platinum. It didn't stand for cisplatin. It was up to the investigator or the treating physician to use cisplatin, carboplatin, or oxaliplatin. Then they got their autotransplant and in the maintenance, uh, rituximab uh, every two months for three years, uh, and that ended up showing a, a very sizable PFS benefit, 86% versus 66%. That's a delta of 20%, absolute risk reduction for progression-free survival. That was statistically significant. Uh, there was a, a trend of overall survival. Uh, as well. Sorry, those numbers aren't, aren't right. But a big difference in PFS, a smaller numeric difference in overall survival that was not statistically significant in the LIMA study due to power. Their primary power was spent on their PFS data in that study. Okay, so what this publication is looking at, uh, this just out uh, March uh, of 2021, is looking at the differences in platinum salt. So in other words, did it matter if somebody got cis- carbo or oxaliplatin. That's what this study is looking at. And my favorite part of this article, I'm going to read this, I'm going to quote here. This is in the introduction. In the era of novel targeted drugs and immunotherapies, and quote, old question like, what is the best uh, platinum salt to use in DHAP will never be addressed in a randomized and prospective trial. And I think that's exactly right, uh, unless a whole bunch of uh, folks get together in a cooperative group setting or an investigator-initiated study. And even then, as far as an investigator-initiated study, if a bunch of pharmacists want to do this, uh, they could do it, but it's not going to be randomized. It's just going to be kind of retrospective cohort studies. So that's what they did is look at this. Um, oh, just to back up, I, I'll, here are the numbers. I finally have them in my notes here. As far as maintenance rituximab, uh, for these mantle cell folks after transplant, again, uh, every two months, standard rituximab for three years. Uh, the, the PFS benefit uh, was... Uh, was pretty sizable. Uh, the OS numbers were 89 versus 80%. P-value is 0.04, but that was uh, not statistically significant. PFS was 83 versus 64%, so a delta of about 20%, 19%. Um, and again, that's category one. Uh, and our favorite guidelines say do a DHAP regimen, but they let you choose the platinum salt. There is no study of which platinum salt is best. Uh, there are a couple uh, single center studies looking at oxaliplatin, and it seems to be safer than cisplatin. It's tolerable, as you might probably expect. Uh, so this is looking at the, fakes, the folks in this LIMA study, specifically looking at who got carbo, who got cis, who got oxaliplatin, and did that make a difference in their outcomes? And uh, it looks like there's a trend towards oxaliplatin perhaps being more effective, which is really exciting. Now, it's a caveat here. They're not randomized to which platinum salt. And listen to the numbers. There are about 300 patients in this study. All right. 184. So almost two-thirds, three-quarter perhaps, um, or maybe maybe 60% got cisplatin. 76 got carbo out of 300. And 38 got oxaliplatin. That's just, that's just 
you know, just over 10%. So not very many people numerically. Our sample size of oxaliplat is very, very small. Okay, that's a, that's a big red flag. Wide, wide confidence intervals, okay? And then we look at the baseline demographics. We look at the mantle cell, uh, the mantle cell IPI, so the, uh, uh, the uh, International Prognostic Index for Mantle Cell. If we look at the percent who had low risk, 61% had low risk with oxaliplatin uh, amongst all the oxali group. 54% were cisplatin. Um, so maybe a little bit lower risk folks in the oxaliplatin group, 49% for carboplatin. If you look at those with a KI67 above 30%, so more KI67, more aggressive disease, that number's 27% in the oxaliplatin cohort, 38% in the cisplatin cohort. So if you look at all this, it looks like maybe the oxaliplatin group was a little bit uh, more indolent of a mantle cell lymphoma or a less aggressive lymphoma than those uh, assigned to, to cisplatin. Now, if we just look at who had a complete response or a complete response that was unconfirmed, and an example of how you could have a complete response that was unconfirmed, patient had bone marrow disease at baseline. That, you know, you're diagnosed with mantle cell, you do the bone marrow, there's disease in there, uh, and then you give them chemo, you give them your four cycles of DHAP, PET scan shows a complete response, you don't do the bone marrow to, to verify that all the, the disease went away. That could be considered a complete response unconfirmed, yeah, I think is how that works, okay? So here are the complete response values. So 35 of the 38 patients, small number, uh, with oxaliplatin had a CR or CRU. That's 97% compared to 81% with carbo compared to 89% with cisplatin. So uh, again, retrospective kind of cohort, although they were followed prospectively, but again, it's not randomized, so the risks are not equally distributed between all three platinum salts. And they don't give you the 95% confidence interval here, but it'd be very wide for these 38 folks who received oxaliplatin. But it looks like there's certainly a difference in complete response. That's probably the best assessment of which platinum salt made a difference is complete response, if you could do that. 97% um, uh, of those folks who got uh, oxaliplatin went on to transplant versus 84 and 85% respectively which maybe that makes sense. You get more folks to complete response. The transplanter's probably gonna be more, more likely to, to go forward with doing uh, the transplant. Now on the back end, they actually look at did it make a difference uh, after transplant and, and it didn't appear to. The difference uh, all appeared to do to, uh, to the platinum salt. And this uh, translated to, uh, to an apparent improvement in progression-free survival. Um, now it, the trend here was a p-value of 0.06, so not too significant, but 86 versus 66% when you compare oxaliplatin to cisplatin. Uh, wide, wide, uh, wide difference, not significant. Uh, an overall survival trend of 92 versus 87%. Again, not clinically significant. So, so from this, you know, what we see is it looks like maybe oxaliplatin is the best salt for our mantle cell lymphoma patients compared to cisplatin. Um, certainly it's gonna be less toxic from a, a uh, a nausea and vomiting standpoint, less toxic from an acute kidney injury standpoint, uh, more easy to deliver in clinic, which is, at least in the United States, what drives most practices. Can we give this in clinic? Not, is there good data for this? It's, can we give it in clinic? Sometimes that's all that matters, it seems, these days. Um, perhaps I'm being too harsh. Um, so what we can take away from this, I've said before, when you look at a retrospective cohort study or something like that, the, your, your biggest Takeaway should be, oh, that's interesting. Well, this is slightly more than interesting because it might just be something is more effective uh, if we used oxaliplatin. I'm not ready to say it's the most effective or it is the more effective. We don't have data to say that. You can't say that from the study. Only 38 patients got oxaliplatin. Uh, 
but I do feel pretty good to say that it's not worse than cisplatin in, in a DHAP regimen. I do feel good about that. I feel good about saying it's safer. Uh, and I also feel good about saying that you can do it in, in clinic. So, um, you know, currently our, our favorite guidelines give that option of cis carboxyliplatin. And those have been there since the Lima study was published because that was the methods of the Lima study. But this was not anything that I had heard of, of substituting a platinum salt in DHAP. Uh, but at least for the mantle cell lymphoma patients, it looks like something that is certainly, at the very least, reasonable to consider and to do. So that's what we have for this week's pod. Uh, we got a new drug approved for renal cell carcinoma yesterday. Probably talk about that next week. Uh, I got a couple landmark Oncopharm papers. I'm itching just to go back and read and discuss on the pod once, uh, once the FDA slows down and once the pace of on- oncology uh, publications slow down. Uh, so I'm not going to hold my breath about when I'm able to get to those. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, you can do the rate review thing on, on the places where it's available, which is, I think, everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNip and follow the podcast uh, on both Twitter and Instagram at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Oh, I guess I should say what the dose of oxyplatin was. Like, doses matter, right? So it's 130 milligrams uh, per meter squared, although they could do 100 per meter squared of oxyplatin in this regimen. Doses do matter, so I should have said what the dose of oxyplatin was. My humble state.